0: Greetings, listeners. Welcome to the Cold Fusion Now podcast, where we bring you the latest developments in the science, engineering, and business of cold fusion. Leonard, I'm your host, Ruby Carrot. Today, I'm speaking with Alan Goldwater, an independent researcher with the Martin Fleischman Memorial Project has a bachelor's degree in physics from Columbia University and studied architecture and computer science before having a successful career in electronic design and embedded software. He then returned to his first love physics and has assembled a small laboratory to test Leonard systems in a live open science format. Welcome, Alan Goldwater. Thanks, Ruby. <laughs> it's great to have you with us. Why don't you tell us how you first got involved with the Martin Fleischman Memorial Project?
1: Well, I'd been reading the literature on cold fusion for several years after seeing the 60-minute special on it. And uh, I was led to the ICCF conference, ICCF 18 in Missouri. At that conference, I met uh, the people starting the MFMP. Uh, That was the second year, I think, for them. And we have quickly found that we shared a common interest in live open science and the belief that all of the results of experiments should be made public in real time or as close as possible. Hmm.
0: And what is the role that you play within the Martin Fleischman Memorial Project group? Well,
1: I'm an independent experimenter. I design my own experiments. I uh, collaborate with people in MFMP. I take their advice, but they don't control what I do. Each of us speaks with our own voice, and we share a common commitment to live, open science. This is the important principle that defines the MFMP.
0: Well, describe some of the work that you do as an independent researcher.
1: My most interesting series of experiments is called the glow stick. This is a fairly simple economical apparatus. It's a ceramic tube about 100 centimeters long, 100 millimeters, sorry. Uh, And it has two identical heater coils wound on it that are fed with a common power supply. One end of the tube has the fuel under test. The other end has a null filler that's thought to be non-active. When you increase the temperature of this, you can easily measure any difference from one end to the other. And that gives you an idea if the fuel side is producing excess heat. We also measure uh, other parameters like pressure. And uh, the system, over a series of different iterations, uh, has been improved to the point where we can measure 1% or better in terms of the heat output. Mm-hmm. So, for example, with a 1,000 watts of heat input, which is about the maximum the system can handle, we can measure 10 watts of excess heat. Mm-hmm. This isn't great by calorimetry standards, but it's adequate for the kind of testing that we aim to do.
0: Were you able to demonstrate excess heat with your glow stick?
1: Several of the experiments had good evidence of excess heat. One in particular yielded about 18%. Uh, it was uh, about, uh, I think, 180 watts over a thousand watts, and uh, that also generated a radiation signature that was unmistakable, called bremsstrahlung. That's breaking radiation in German, and it indicates the presence of fast electrons that emit gamma rays uh, of a certain kind of pattern. That was clearly detected in the same time interval that we saw excess heat in this experiment. Mm -hmm. So that was my most successful test to date.
0: Was this work reproduced by anybody else? Was anybody else able to get excess heat from this type of experiment?
1: There were two attempts at replication of this system. One was done at the University of Missouri. Unfortunately, they did not follow the protocol or the description of the apparatus that we published as part of our open science philosophy. So I don't consider that a true replication. The other attempt was done by David Daggett, Photon Energy Research was his company, and he did a very good replication. He made some uh, significant improvements in the design of the system while keeping the standard basic structure of the glow stick. Unfortunately, he did not detect any excess heat, but the experiment was well run, and we will incorporate some of his improvements going forward in the next series.
0: Uh, how can you be sure that you actually did get excess heat?
1: can't be a hundred percent sure but you evaluate the error bars, the limits of measurement of the experiment you consider all of the possible ways that the measurements might be wrong. This is called peer review and in the case of my uh, glow stick 5 experiment, it was subjected to peer review it was written up in a formal paper peer-reviewed and published in CMNS. I don't claim 100% sure of excess heat because the error bars are rather large in the apparatus. That's the nature of science, and uh, so replication is still important to confirm this result.
0: We just uh, returned from the 21st International Conference on Condensed Matter Nuclear Science, ICCF 21, and at that conference, a number of experimental LENR researchers reported excess heat uh, anywhere from between 6 to 20 watts thermal excess power. How would you describe the state of the field, given those types of results?
1: I was encouraged by what I saw at the conference. It seems like the researchers are increasingly willing to share their research protocols and their data in a way that uh, encourages cooperative research. This is not something new in the field, but the fact that it's increasing in its prevalence is a sign that people recognize the importance of cooperation and sharing. I'd like to see this growing uh, in the spirit of open science, to the extent that the full protocol of important experiments can be shared and reproduced readily by other researchers.
0: Talk about open science in relation to the funding by private interests, which require intellectual property. What's the difference between that type of funding and open science?
1: The danger in this kind of situation is that a private funder, a venture capitalist, for example, or an organization might require uh, strings attached to the intellectual property as a condition of their funding. We see this as a very dangerous trend because it means that if... Important research discovers the secret of this process. It could potentially be locked up uh, from public view and prevented from development in the wrong hands. On the other side of the issue is that money is seldom given without strings. In the case of MFMP, we only accept donations with no strings attached with the understanding that everything that we discover and do will be published. And so our funding is typically small individuals, small companies that believe as we do that uh, this philosophy of open science is vital to making the field successful and making anything discovered available to the human race without restriction.
0: What's next on tap for you
1: the glow stick is a viable economical platform for research the experiments are fairly time consuming typically taking up to a month but that isn't it isn't a problem that discourages us it just means that we have room for improvement and so going forward I expect to do another series of glow stick experiments with different fuel compositions added instrumentation, for example, an X-ray spectrometer, uh, and hopefully eventually reduce the turnaround time so that I can do more iterations. That, I think, is the secret to success in this field. Because the parameter space is so poorly understood, it can only be explored by careful changes of one parameter at a time. If you change too many things and you find positive results, you don't know which one is the secret. And so it requires patience, persistence, and clever design to come up with new knowledge in the field. That to me is really the reward from all this work, is the knowledge that we share with other researchers.
0: Goldwater, where can we go to learn more about the Martin Fleischman Memorial Project and to support the effort?
1: The MFMP has a website, quantumheat.org. And you can see links to all of our past experiments. All of the data is there. In some cases, you'll find a link to the actual raw data that was collected in real time and posted on, for example, a Google Drive. Uh, And so, even years after these experiments ran, uh, people are still analyzing the data and coming up with new and useful information. So you can make a donation at the website, quantumheat.org, and uh, you can also ask questions, there's a live blog there. We also have a presence on the various internet forums. If you see an experiment in progress, On one of those forums, you're always welcome to contribute to it by asking useful questions and, of course, by making a donation.
0: Well, Alan Goldwater, we wish you much success in your research, and thank you for speaking with us today.
1: Thanks for having me, Ruby.
0: We've been speaking with Alan Goldwater, an independent researcher with the Martin Fleischman Memorial Project. You can find more of this research at quantumheat.org and published in the Journal of Condensed Matter Nuclear Science. Mark your calendars for the 13th Workshop on Anomalies in Hydrogen-Loaded Metals this October 5th through 9th in Greccio, Italy. Get details and register at the International Society of Condensed Matter Nuclear Science website, iscmns.org. The Japan Cold Fusion Society Study Group holds their 19th meeting at Owate University this November 9th and 10th in Morioka, Japan. For more information, go to iscmns.org. And we want to thank our sponsors, Old and New, for their support. You have made a difference in our lives, and we are grateful. If you haven't contributed yet, now's the time to become a Cold Fusion Now, so steamer. Go to www.coldfusionnow.org for more. That's our show for today. You can find more episodes of the Cold Fusion Now podcast on our website at coldfusionnow.org or subscribe on iTunes. Until next time, I'm Ruby Carrot.